Please bow with me in prayer. Lord, take my lips and speak through them. Take our minds and think through them. Take our hearts and set them on fire with love for your Son, Jesus Christ, in whose name we pray. Amen. Please be seated. Well, if you got here just a minute or two after the service started, you missed Nathan's announcement about the Super Bowl, but this is Super Bowl Sunday. I don't know how many of you know that. Do you realize how I think everyone knows it's Super Bowl Sunday? Pre-game has been going on for two weeks. Really. And I don't know how many of you have seen any television so far this morning. I turned on the Weather Channel sometime between 5 and 5.30 this morning. I get up, spend time with the Lord, and then I uh, get breakfast, and I sit down and watch the Weather Channel and see if there's any news on. And first thing, I turned it on to watch the weather, and they were covering the Super Bowl weather. You can't, you can't get away from it. We are surrounded so much by the Super Bowl. And I like football, by the way. And I will probably watch the Super Bowl game, at least for the most part. But the reality is, it just engulfs our life. What is it about the Super Bowl? Let me tell you, it's not just the football. You probably realize that. There's so much more to Super Bowl Sunday than just the football. I mean, party boy Nathan. He's been talking about it for two weeks, and he's so excited. You know, so much time has been spent with logistics and lining up the food. And Norm Galloway, Mr. Technical Support, has the large screen TV ready to go. So if you don't have a place for Super Bowl Sunday, there's going to be food and there's going to be a large screen TV. You can go over to this new building that we have over by the ministry center. Right? Yeah, there you go. But it's, <laughs> but it's not just the football. When you watch, if you watch any of the pregame, and even when you watch the football, you will hear side discussions about other aspects of the game. So-and-so makes so much money. So-and-so is going to be a free agent this year, and this is going to be a showcase for them. The physical prowess and strength of these athletes. And then the other physical attributes of the cheerleaders. The halftime entertainment. And what actually more people are interested in than just the football itself. What is it? The commercials. That's exactly right. There is so much that's focused on the whole event. The food. The planning for the food. Even the fact that I mentioned food, you're already thinking about your brunch, if not later on, what you have. What is it that intrigues us so much? The reality is we love to look forward to things like that. We love events. And yet it's interesting, probably the most important event in history. We don't always think about that much. 
I mean, it's there. Especially if you're here and you're a Christian and you're aware of the cross, at least at some times in your life, some aspect of your life, you're aware of your faith. But think about, think about how much our country and people in general and all the different activities of today, people are absolutely consumed by the Super Bowl. Part of it is there's something about all those different aspects that come together that attract our desire. The hype, the fun, the excitement, the money, the food. We could go on and on. It taps our desires. Now while you have that in mind, I want you to think about a verse in Scripture. For those who delight in the Lord, He will give you the desires of your heart. For those who delight in the Lord, He will give you the desires of your heart. Now, my delights oftentimes don't reflect God's heart. My desires don't reflect God's heart. And so in many ways, there's a battle going on. And what we will see today and what we will see celebrated today in many ways are the values of the world that compete with our faith, our walk with the Lord, our delight in the Lord. See, we like the part of we're going to get the desires of our heart, don't we? Think about it. But those desires of our heart that we want don't always come from delighting in the Lord. And that's one of the reasons we are so drawn to the things of the world and the events of the world and the entertainment of the world and the, and the money of the world. And I'm not saying the two are in opposition, by the way, because we have to live in the, in the world. And I think we're meant to enjoy what God has created. But so often those desires of the world overshadow our faith. And the greatest event of all, the cross of Christ and the resurrection. And how that can become overshadowed in our lives. If you were to look at 1 Corinthians 1, that Bill read just a few moments ago. When Paul talks about the wisdom of the world. The wisdom of the world, we seem like we're foolish when we seek to follow Christ, when we seek to keep Him and His values at the center of our lives. We seem foolish. And the cross of Christ, on the other hand, is a stumbling block to some and foolishness to others. Because people just can't always understand why we would desire the Lord, why He would be the focus of our lives, why we would seek to live for Him, while the delight that we have in our lives is our faith and trust in Him and His love flowing through us. You know, if you think about what Paul is writing, the wisdom of the world, so much in our world puts down Christianity because we really are, in many ways, not informed. If we really understood 
what is taught in science? Would we really buy into what the Christian faith says? As if they're competing with one another. And see, I don't think so. Many of us went to this conference last week called Mere Anglicanism, and these brilliant professors were talking about how really, in many ways, what we see in science, what we see in creation, confirms our faith. And so often that's contrasted. And so, what do people in our culture invest in? Take the values of the Super Bowl. Take what I just said about wisdom. See, we want to invest in success. And success is often translated into being educated. That's another value of the world. And so we want to make sure our children go to school. We want to make sure they study. We want to make sure if they're not going to be athletic or beauty queens, that they're getting a good education so they can be successful in the world. Are we that committed to making sure they know the Lord and they're studying the Word? That they're growing in holiness and righteousness and godliness? I got this uh, ad. I take The Economist magazine... And this was on the cover this past week. Last chance. Your child's education is an investment. Hedge it. How do you hedge it? You buy them the economist. So they can be educated and informed and understand the financial structures of our world. Actually, they had the same offer for young people at Christmas time. And I laid my economist out on the counter and said to Aaron, I said, Aaron, you might want to look at this. I'll buy you one for Christmas if you're interested. He never picked it up. So I showed him again because, you know, they, they've been offering this, this uh, new opportunity. It's $96 for a year's subscription. And really I thought what would really entice them, what they're trying to entice people with, is you get a free gift, you get a free T-shirt. I would think that Aaron would want to wear an Economist t-shirt, don't you? I thought that was kind of funny. But the reality is, think about how much people invest in education. And how important it is to be informed in the world and the things of the world. But it's all temporal. It's all temporal. It's not bad to be educated. Don't misunderstand me. It's not bad to be informed. It's not bad to know about economic things. But when that consumes your life, because your desires are totally focused on the worldly desires, you miss the biggest event. And what God's desires for our life is, that comes out of our delight in the Lord. So Paul says, This is not wisdom to the world. This is a stumbling block to the world. But we see Christ and Him crucified. Because that's our life. That's the most important event. Now with that in mind, I want to go to Jesus' first sermon. Jesus' first sermon, and the first part of that sermon are the Beatitudes that you have in front of you. And in the Beatitudes, what you see Jesus do is take the values of the culture at His time, which frankly are not unlike ours, 
that people were religious but really didn't necessarily have a heart for the Lord. Really seeking His will and desires in their life. They were doing the sacrificial system. They were doing the right religious thing, but they weren't wholly given over to Him. But what also dominated the culture of His time was physical prowess, the Roman gladiator. Worldly success. Going to the schools that were going to make you intelligent. All that existed then. And what Jesus said is this is what will make you blessed. And so he lays out these beatitudes. And the way he lays them out, they're, they're intermittent, but there's really three categories that come through as you read through these beatitudes. One is our transformation within. The second is then how we handle other people, how we deal with other people. And the third is our relationship with God. He begins with that transformation within that would fly in the face of the Roman culture and in many people today in our world. Blessed are the poor in spirit. The poor in spirit. It means that we are going to empty ourselves. See, in a world that says you need to be affirmed, you need to have that self-worth. And so they want to elevate us and build us up when in fact what we need to do is empty ourselves and be filled with Him. That's when we're blessed. That's when we know this love flowing through us. That's when we know the peace that passes understanding. Is when we empty ourselves. God doesn't tell us to be poor in spirit so that we feel guilty and shame and sadness. That's not the point. So that we confess that we can't transform ourselves. That we're like alcoholics who say we're powerless. Or drug addicts that say, I can't do this. That we have sin in our lives and we have desires that reflect the values of the world that are in contrast to His Spirit. And so we repent. And we empty ourselves. Blessed are the poor in spirit. For theirs is the kingdom. And then another of the Beatitudes. Blessed are the pure in heart. Blessed are the pure in heart. As Psalm 51 puts it. That we ask God to wash us cleanse us and give us a clean heart. One that doesn't have all these desires, these agendas that are self-seeking and self-serving and end up using and abusing other people. That are laden with sin that wear us down and burden us. See, when we have this repentance take hold of our lives and we're able to let go, blessed are the pure in heart for they will see God. And they will experience this blessedness that He promises. See, when we experience that, that washing and that cleansing 
and the emptying of ourselves so that we can be filled with His Spirit. Then we begin to learn what it means to be able to live for others and love others. Blessed are those who mourn. Now we all mourn. We all grieve. We all lose people that we love. And we go through health crises and challenges. And we read in the scripture that Jesus wept at the death of Lazarus. But Jesus also mourned at other times. And one such example is when he was riding up to Jerusalem. And he saw Jerusalem, what we were talking about before, it was so corrupt. The religion of the land was corrupt. There was corruption amongst the people, and Jesus wept. Jesus wept. And he talks about how they killed the prophets. He was mourning for a people that really didn't understand what God's desire was, what God's love was all about, taking delight in Him. And so he mourned over those who were lost. That's the kind of heart that he wants for us. Blessed are the meek. Again, it gets to that whole idea of emptying ourselves, that we lift up others instead of constantly lifting ourselves up. That's a challenge in our culture. Where we always want to hear how good and wonderful we are. Blessed are the merciful. Are we really seeking mercy? See, we're often too busy to be merciful. Because being merciful takes time and takes extending ourselves and reaching out. It costs to be merciful. See, we understand God's mercy when we begin to extend ourselves. Blessed are the peacemakers. You know, peacemaking is really difficult. Our world has so much conflict in it. Families have conflict. Cultures have conflict. Look at the politics. Look at people in business. There's conflict constantly. And Jesus says, blessed are the peacemakers, not because he wasn't willing to confront. He was. Because peacemaking is hard work sometimes. But See, so often in our culture, we want to write people off. We want to just take care of ourselves. We don't want to get involved in the mess of relationships and challenges. I don't know how many of you um, look at the island packet ever. But there was an article in the paper on Tuesday. Warning, stress can be contagious. Let me read you a couple of uh, lines from this. Stress travels in social networks. It is highly contagious. Do you realize stress is contagious? I thought it was just cold and the flu. But it's interesting. This guy's talking about how to deal with stress. He goes on to say, this is his company, by the way. His company is on personal and group energy management. 
you know, we all have energy. And you want to stay away from people who have negative energy. <laughs> that was very, that was very self-sacrificial of you. <laughs> Nathan's going to leave because he has negative energy. <laughs> Is that what that was? Yeah, okay, good. <laughs> okay. That was actually pretty good. <laughs> Stay in touch with it so you're not lost in their energy. You know, what we're trying to do here is we're trying to avoid negative energy. We're not really trying to reach out and love people that are challenges. And here's the kicker. As for getting away from the irritant, that's not always a viable option. How would you like to be referred to as the irritant? It's just interesting to think about that, again, Jesus flies in the face of our culture. That we're meant to avoid people that are challenges. And if we can't, then we have to avoid their energy field or something. Their influence on us. When Jesus says, get in there. Relationships are messy. It takes work. It takes love. It takes forgiveness. It's not always easy lies in the face of our culture. And we come to the last focus, which is our walk with the Lord. And there's two other Beatitudes left. One is those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. Hunger and thirst for righteousness. How much of our lives are spent thinking about food, Planning for food, eating food, cleaning up from food. How much of our lives? Hunger and thirst for righteousness. You know, going back to this section of the paper on Tuesday, tackle your cravings. All the recipes you need for today, in case you're not prepared. Focused on food. How much do we hunger and thirst for righteousness? That we hunger for his word. That we hunger for Jesus who is the bread of life. That, th that we thirst for the springs of living water which is the Holy Spirit. That we see every Sunday we have a feast here for people who want to take advantage of it. With our Sunday school classes, with our worship. That we have small groups during the week for people to take advantage of. There's a feast all around. Do we hunger and thirst for righteousness? And blessed are the persecuted who reviled and rebuked because of my name. Standing up in a culture for Jesus, being willing to go out and being uncomfortable because what we realize in the long run is that when we stand up for Jesus, when we know we're walking with Him, when we know His Spirit is working in our lives, is when we feel filled. Is when we feel blessed. We're not wondering. We know. We know that He's in our lives. 
that He loves us. And that this is about an eternal destination. See, every desire that you would have filled for this life, any desire that you will see reflected during the Super Bowl today has to do with this world. It's short-sighted. It's temporal. He has an eternal perspective. He wants to be with you for all eternity in His love. Think of the millions of dollars and the thousands of hours that is going into this day. How much people are invested in this day? The cost of commercials. Think about the millions of dollars that people are spending to try to become an athlete of this stature. I've already heard of the millions, if not billions, of dollars lost in revenue in the last two weeks and will be lost this weekend and tomorrow because of the Super Bowl, the lost work hours. It's amazing to think about how much we invest as a culture in an event that happens today. And by comparison, I don't know how many of you have heard this. The Olympics are coming up this week. Did you hear that? Kind of pales in comparison. They've spent billions of dollars just getting buildings ready to host it. And they say they will never make up enough money to make up for what they've invested in. And then, of course, you got the terrorism that's threatening it. See, all of these things get our attention. All of these things tap into us the desires of this world that we live into, the money, the fame, even the terrorism that taps our fears and our fascination. And if something happens, how people will be glued to the TV. And it will dominate our conversation. It's all temporal. God wants us to live in this world. God wants us to be a part of this world. Jesus came and died on the cross for us in this world. But He doesn't want us to reflect the desires of this world. That our delight would be in Him. That the desires of our heart would be His desires for our lives, for the people around us, and for the world. There was an event that happened 2,000 years ago. And that event should be our focus and make all the difference in our lives today and every day. Please bow with me in prayer. Lord, some today will ignore the Super Bowl. Just as some today will ignore you. Some today will take the Super Bowl casually. 
as many take their faith casually. Some today will strictly want to be entertained by halftime in the commercials. And some want their faith to be all about entertaining, pleasing me. And some, Lord, today will be wholly given over to the Super Bowl, a temporal event, a party, and filling their desires. Lord, I pray that we would be so committed to you. That we would see what you invested for our sake in sending your son to die on a cross for us. The depth of your love. The depth of your commitment to us. Lord, we pray that we would take delight in you. And that our desires would be your desires. And we then would attain the desires of our hearts. Which would make us blessed. Lord, for those here today that really who have never come to a place of recognizing this event for their lives. Reveal yourself. For those who are compromised... Renew them. And for all of us, give us a hunger and thirst for righteousness. Help us to be poor in spirit and pure in heart. Help us to be people who mourn and are meek and merciful and peacemakers. And help us to be willing to be persecuted and misunderstood as you were. because you died for us. And we ask this in Jesus' name.